Pastor Graham and I uh, went to pastor's conference, district conference this week in, uh, in Dartmouth, and um, it was a very encouraging, refreshing time there for us, and uh, so thanks for those who were praying for us as we went. Um, one thing I, I noticed, so the last couple Sundays, since we're all wearing masks, um, I've, I've found it a challenge to preach because I can't see your face. I don't know if you're smiling or frowning or baring your teeth at me or what you're doing under that mask. Um, and, uh, and I noticed that the speakers at conference had the same challenge. They were finding it like difficult to preach because, uh, because you can't see anybody's face. So here's, here's what I need you to do, is I need you to shout out at me once in a while, all right? Say, say something, say something. So I know you're awake behind that mask. I know you're there. So here's a, here's a big question. What would you die for? What would you die for? What, what person, coffee, what person or cause would you be willing to give your life for? <clears throat> good, good, good. Child, yeah. So, okay. So, so lots of responses coming back at me. You're doing well. I told you to shout out at me and you're shouting, so that's good. Um, but here's the thing. Dying, this, this sounds strange, but dying is easy because it happens once and it's over. A bigger question is, what cause is worth living for, right? Dying for a cause requires one decision. Living for a cause requires many decisions every single day. Does that sound, does that make sense? Right? Um, something, something in each one of our lives, something drives those little decisions that we make every day. And, and for some of us, it might be survival or self-protection. For some of us, it might be, uh, you know, greed or desire for something or love for someone or love for something or allegiance to some cause. But something drives those little decisions that we make. Every day. In, in our passage today that we're looking at, starting in, Ephes- in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul begins by saying, For this reason, or in the King James Version, it's for this cause. For this cause, or for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. That's how it starts. And so he's saying that, that uh, he's, he's a prisoner because of a cause, right? He's, he's willing to be a prisoner because of a cause. Ephesians is, uh, is a, a part of a group. So Paul wrote about 13 or 14 letters in the New Testament, depending on whether you believe he wrote Hebrews or not. 
He wrote 13 or 14 letters in the New Testament. And, uh, and within those 13 or 14 letters, there's a smaller group of four letters called the prison letters or the prison epistles. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Four prison letters, prison epistles that Paul wrote while he was incarcerated, while he was in prison. Um, he was in prison for three years. He, he was in chains, literally in chains, in prison for four, three years. And uh, he actually was arrested here in Jerusalem. And they moved him to Caesarea here on the coast. And he spent two years in prison in Caesarea. And if you follow the red line on our map, he made his way on, uh, uh, chained to um, Roman guards, made his way by sea over a period of about six or eight months to Rome. He ended up shipwrecked on the island of Malta here but eventually made his way to Rome where he was in house arrest there um, until he was tried by Nero and actually released for a time only to be captured later and put to death by Nero uh, uh, a couple of years later. So these prison, Ephesians is one of these prison epistles and this passage that we're reading today highlights Paul's imprisonment. So we're going to read our passage today. Our, our, our uh, message for, for today is called For This Cause. And we're reading Ephesians 3, verses 1 to 13. Let's read. For this reason, or for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Now, let's pause there just for a moment. Because what Paul does here is he, he interrupts himself. How many of you talk to yourselves? You ever interrupt yourself? <laughs> right? So, so Paul is, he's talking. Paul's letters were actually, he dictated them to somebody who wrote them out for him. Paul, we know actually from the, from the book of Galatians, we know that Paul had bad eyesight and because uh, at the end of, in Galatians chapter 6, at one point he says, see, w see what big letters I, I'm writing with since I'm, I'm writing myself, right? So he, uh, he couldn't see very well and, uh, and wrote with big letters because he didn't have reading glasses, right? So he would normally dictate these letters. And as he's dictating this, he interrupts himself. So we'll, we'll see Paul says this first line, for this reason I, Paul, for the, pris uh, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you've heard about, and he interrupts himself with this, and then catches up on the next page, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I've already written briefly, in reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. 
which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Then he gets back on track. So, for this reason, I, Paul, prisoner of Christ Jesus, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. All right. Here we go. You ready? All right. So, first of all, prisoner of Christ Jesus. Paul is in prison because of his life calling. He's in prison because of his life calling to bring the message of hope of salvation in Christ to the Gentiles. So the Jews, here's what had happened. The Jews, remember I said he was arrested in Jerusalem? The Jews in Jerusalem didn't want his message preached. They didn't want Paul telling the the Gentiles that they could have salvation too. Just as Paul didn't want this message preached before he came to Christ, right? And Paul was putting Christians in prison and having them killed, so too there were people who were doing the same. And they had, they made, trumped up some stories about, about, uh, about Paul and uh, had him arrested and thrown in prison. Um, they wanted Paul's message stopped. Um, and in fact, Paul was so committed to his calling that he was willing to be imprisoned. He wasn't giving up his message. He was willing to be imprisoned in order for this message to get out. Right? Um, in fact, we know that Paul was warned by a prophetic word by a guy named Agabus that if he went to Jerusalem, he was going to be arrested and put in chains. And the people that heard that prophetic word around Paul, they said, oh, Paul, don't go. And he said, no, I'm going. Right? I'm going anyways. And uh, it's interesting in this passage that even though Paul was arrested because 
of his message to the Gentiles of salvation. He doesn't say, I'm a prison for Christ Jesus. He says, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. You see, Paul knew something that we need to know today. Paul knew that what looks like is happening around you is not always what's happening. Right? What looks like what's happening around you is not always what's happening. The world and the people around Paul that saw him in prison were like, oh, what a shame. Isn't it terrible? Poor Paul. He's in prison. But Paul says in verse 13, for them not to be discouraged because of his sufferings for them. So Paul had a different view on what was going on, right? Here's, in fact, in Philippians chapter 1, another of the prison epistles, right? Paul writes this about his imprisonment. He says, What has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Interesting. Think of this. Everywhere Paul went, he had an armed guard. Right? I mean, the, the, Roman, the Roman guards didn't care what he preached. They didn't care about this Jewish religion that Paul was preaching. He could preach all he wanted. And he had an armed guard with him so nobody could get to him. Right? In fact, Paul goes on to say, in Philippians 1, in that other passage, he goes on to say, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. In other words, he had a captive audience. All these people that he was imprisoned with and the guards that were guarding him, he had a captive audience. Here was Paul's perspective. I'm not chained to them. They're chained to me. Right? I'm not a prisoner of the Roman Empire. I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I'm captivated not by Rome. I'm captivated by Christ and His message. My heart is... is is captive to Christ, and they are captive to me. Right? What a perspective. And it, if we only could have that same perspective, we would realize that no restrictions can restrict the gospel. No difficulty can hold down the one who has this perspective that Paul has. You know, in seven months, we have had opportunities like never before to share the hope of the gospel. We have, had, we, have had, we have seen more fruit in ministry in the last, in, in, in 2020, we have seen more fruit in ministry than we've seen for, for a number of years before. We've seen people coming to Christ, we've been seen people uh, calling us wanting to know more about Christ, wanting to know more about our church. Um, 
we've seen incredible fruit in this season. And if we have this perspective, we know that we are not prisoners of COVID, we are prisoners of Christ. And in every season and in every situation, the gospel still works. Amen? Amen. So then Paul starts talking about, he, he uses this word mystery a number of times in this passage. He talks about this mystery revealed. Um, <clears throat> verses 3 to 6. He says, The mystery made known to me by revelation. When, when did Paul have a revelation? On the road to, to Damascus, didn't he? He's, he's on his way to go persecute Christians, and he has this revelation of the glory of Jesus that changes his life forever, right? What was a mystery to him, what was hidden, is now revealed, right? Is now made plain. And Paul talks about this. He says, you know, this, this mystery made known to me by a revelation, you know, Folks, we need a revelation of Jesus. We don't just need more information about him. We don't need to just hear theological arguments about... We need a revelation of Jesus. I I encourage you to lean into him. Say, Jesus, give me a revelation of who you are. Open my understanding. Open my eyes to see not just with my these eyes or just with my thinker, But help me to see, get a revelation of how amazing you are. Paul had a revelation and it changed him forever. This mystery, this thing that had been hidden was revealed, right? Um, In reading this, he goes on to say, Then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which has not been made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God through the apostles and prophets. What's Paul saying? Um, He's saying that that, um, hidden in the Old Testament, if you knew how to find it, hidden in... The Old Testament was all about pointing forward to this Messiah that would come. But even those who were looking for a Messiah missed all the details that were there when Jesus actually showed up. The the truth... Remember Jesus went for a walk after his resurrection with two disciples on the road to Emmaus... And it says he opened the scriptures to them and told them all that the scriptures would say, had to say about about the Messiah and his death and resurrection. Can you imagine being in on that conversation? Having the Old Testament opened to you by Jesus himself and all the places that it spoke of the death and the resurrection of the Messiah that was to come. Right? The... Everything about Jesus was there in the Old Testament, but it was, it was hidden away until the moment when it was ready to be revealed, right? And, and so they couldn't, many people couldn't see it until they saw Jesus 
in for real, like in, you know, saw the Messiah, and then they couldn't not see him in the Old Testament, right? Most of you have probably seen this, this picture. I, I saw it for the first time a few years ago. You seen this? Right? First time I saw it, I just saw a bunch of yellow lines. I'm like, what is that? It looks like, you know, Inuit script or, or some kind of code. You know, I just saw these yellow lines. But then somebody said, the person showing it to me said, no, look, look closer. Look again. Look between the lines. Right? And then, then I saw Jesus. Right? And now every time I, I see this thing everywhere, all, all kinds of people hang, have it hanging in their house and whatever. Every time I see it, I don't even see the yellow lines. I just see, I just see Jesus, right? I didn't even see it before. But then once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it, right? And it's kind of like that, that, that the, the, the mystery of Christ was hidden in the Old Testament. But then when Christ was revealed... You couldn't not see Christ in the Old Testament, right? So that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying it was a mystery, but then it was revealed. It was hidden for other generations, but now it's shown. People had come up with all kinds of ideas about what God was like. But nobody could have come up with the story of a crucified God. This is one of the things that makes Christianity, um, you know, helps us to know that it's not some man-made religion. Somebody didn't just dream this stuff up. You don't, if you're going to tell the story of your God being the hero of the story, you don't tell the story, especially in first century uh, Middle East. You don't tell the story of a crucified God. I mean, crucifixion for us, 2,000 years later, if, if you know any of the details of how someone was crucified, it's horrific. But in that day, actually... First of all, actually watching it happen because it was, they did it publicly so that everybody, so that nobody ever would want to be crucified, obviously. But it was also the most shameful way to die. It was not only horrific and painful, it was the most shameful way to die. The thought that the God of the universe would become a man who would be nailed to a Roman cross and die in defeat and agony is unthinkable. You don't make that kind of story up. And the idea that that same person could overcome death by crucifixion, I mean, these guys knew what they were doing. When you died by crucifixion, there was no question that you're dead, right? You are, you are crushed. You are, you are decimated. The idea that somebody could come back from crucifixion, again, completely unthinkable. 
And so Paul writes about this mystery of Christ. What is the mystery of, the, of Christ? The story of a crucified God. That he would leave heaven, that he would come to earth, and out of love for humanity, that he would be nailed to a Roman cross and be willing to die for us. And that he would overcome that death and he would rise again from the dead. You can't believe that unless it's revealed to you, Paul is saying. It is a mystery. And not only that, but he goes on to say, and this mystery is also the mystery that the Gentiles get in on this. That the the Gentiles can be saved. The Gentiles can be included in salvation. It was unthinkable for the Jewish religious people of the day that this message could possibly be for outsiders. Folks, the message of God, of His love and His forgiveness is for outliers. It's not just for those who are insiders. It is for the, the lost and the broken and the irreligious. This was hard for the people of that day, the religious people of that day to grasp. What do you mean? God loves them. Right? What do you mean He loves those people? What do you mean we should let them come to church? But there is no them in Christ. The message is for everyone. And everyone is included. Everyone is invited. And that was a mystery that Paul was saying, not only am I going to declare this mystery, but I'm willing to be in prison for this mystery. For this message that the hope of Christ is for everyone. Paul says, I'm a servant of this gospel. I'm a servant of this gospel. This is a message, this is a cause worth living for. This one I will die for, I will live for, Paul says. The message of this gospel is worth dying for, it's worth living for. So Paul gets back to his main statement that he's a a prisoner of Christ because of this gospel. The gospel, the good news of the crucified God who loves all of humanity. And he says, um, he says this is the case, uh, became a servant of this gospel by the gift of, of God's grace given to me through the working of His power. This is, a, this is a packed statement. Given this, this mission, this, you know, this gospel, by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of His power. So Paul's explaining that this 
This isn't his idea. This gospel isn't his idea. In fact, he was blindly running the other way. Wanting to crush this gospel. Wanting to kill the people that were, that were proclaiming it. This wasn't his idea. He was furiously trying to stamp out this gospel. But God stepped in by the gift of His grace. Amen? Folks, I don't care what those here, those watching online, I don't care what condition your heart is in today. You might be ready to gladly serve Jesus. You might be hesitant to surrender to Him. Or you might even be like Paul, angrily hostile to the message of Christ. I want you to know, God is not offended by you today. He's not saying, oh, well then. But folks, the gift of His grace wants to reach into your life, break into your world, and bring the same kind of hope that He brought to Paul. He wants you to know and discover that you are the object of his affection and his kindness and he is just waiting for you to say yes to him. And not only was the gospel, this gospel, not Paul's idea, but the strength that he had to proclaim it came from God as well. This guy was a machine. He planted churches all over the known world, right? I mean, that map that I showed you, that was the world that was known at the time, the Roman Empire. Paul planted churches all over the world. He'd go, plant a church, raise up leaders, move on to the next city. Plant a church, raise up leaders, move on to the... I mean, this guy was a machine. Where did he get that strength to do what God had called him to do. It came from God. It came from God. It was the, God's power. How does it say it? Working power. The working of his power. Um, this is, uh, in the Greek, it's, it's literally energeian dunameos. We get our word energy from that Greek word energeian. And our word dynamite from this word dunameos, right? Dynamite power. So it's the, it's the energy of God's dynamite explosive power at work inside of Paul to enable him to do the things that God has called him to do. What happened in Paul's life was explosive. I mean, it... Not only did it shock him what God did inside of him, but the, the ripple effects of what God did in one man's life changed cities all over the world. Right? Amazing. That same working of God's power, folks, is on the inside of you. It is on the inside of you. And God wants to work His explosive power in your life. And, and there are people, even right now, 
There are people that you don't even know you're having an impact on as you love Jesus and serve him faithfully. The ripple effect of your life you don't even understand. And I believe for every one of us, God has even more. He has more energy, more power that he wants to unleash in and through our lives so that our life can have an even greater explosive ripple effect in those around us. Many of you would say, some of those watching online, some of us here today, would say, one year ago, I couldn't imagine myself where I am. Five years ago, I couldn't imagine myself where I am. Whatever it is. And, and that's, you know, we don't always see that working of the power in our lives because we're in the midst of it. But step back and look at where God has brought you from. Where he's brought you to and what he has in store for you. It's amazing. Amen? <clears throat> and then he says that, that God has kind of unleashed me to preach the boundless riches of Christ and the administration of this mystery. What does that mean? To preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. I think the administration of this mystery means, I mean, the, how, how does this, how does what God has done on the inside of you, how does that f- flow out from your life? How, what does it actually look like when the rubber meets the road, right? That's the administration of this mystery. But he, he's talking about the, 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 uh, the boundless riches of Christ. There's no limit from God's side to what He wants to do in and through your life. It's boundless. Boundless riches of Christ towards you. There's no limit. Here's the deal though. I know people who have been serving Jesus for like 50, 60 years. And, and it seems like they've maybe kind of got one year of maturity and just repeated it 50 or 60 times. But then I know also people who have been serving Jesus for 50 or 60 years and they're still hungry. They're still open. They're still desiring more of what God has for them. Folks, whether you're the one that's kind of stuck in a one-year cycle or whether you're the one who after 50, 60 years, you're still hungry. You're still saying, God, pour out your spirit upon me. God, do something new in me. Do something new in our city. You've got that hunger. You've got that desire. That doesn't depend on God. That depends on us. His, His mercies, His goodness, His grace, His love, His riches towards you are boundless. Do you want them? Right? Do you want them? All right. Let's keep moving. Almost done. Verses 10 and 11. His intent, God's intent, was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities 
in the heavenly realms. According to His eternal purpose that He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, Paul is living in the generation that saw the church come into existence, right? I mean, before, before that, there was no such thing as the church. didn't exist. Paul's saying, now God's, God's intention, God's plan is that now, now, right? God... From, from the beginning of creation and all the thousand years, thousands of years that led up to that moment, God had been storing up a plan and he'd been working the details out of a plan that in that moment was unleashed on planet earth. Now, through the church, now through the church, <clears throat> the, um, the manifold wisdom, the, the multitude, of wisdom of God would be known, made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. What does that mean? I'm going to just, I'm not going to break it down like I've got it here because we don't have time, but, but let me say this, uh, that folks, the reason there is a church, the reason we exist is not just to have nice meetings on Sunday mornings. We need these meetings. We need to gather. We need to be encouraged. We need to be equipped. But our purpose is bigger than just getting together for an hour and a half on Sunday mornings. His, God's intention is that now, through the church... The manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and principalities in the heavenly realms. In other words, folks, the arrival of the kingdom of God and the victory of Christ, we get to announce that. We get to serve notice to the enemy and all of the powers of darkness. The kingdom has come you'd better run, right? You'd better run. The kingdom has come. We get to serve notice. The manifold wisdom of God is made known through the church to the powers in the heavenly realms. It's war, folks. We don't just have nice religious meetings. We get to gather for marching orders and then go out there and serve notice in the heavenly realms that the kingdom of God has come. That's a big deal. And then Paul closes off with this. Closes off with this. In him, remember, remember that's, that's a, a big theme in this letter, right? In Christ, in him. We've seen that a whole bunch of times already, right? So he says, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. 
I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. In him and through faith in him, um, we can approach the Father with freedom and confidence. Religion wants to put us in boxes of fear where we beg for God to let us out. But faith in Christ says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. That we have been given access to the Father. And that we've been given access with freedom and confidence. You folks can come running to the Father. And He is waiting for you with open arms. So amazing. Because of the mystery of the crucified God. Because of what Jesus did. To break down every wall, like we said last week, break down every barrier so that you can come to the Father with freedom and confidence. Isn't that amazing? It's good news for the outliers. It's good news for the lost, the broken, and it's good news for us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's stand. Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So just as we come to a conclusion today, we've heard some amazing news. We've heard some good, good news today. And if you're listening online, watching online, if you're If you're here in the house, want us to be encouraged. Some of you have tried living for all kinds of things. And maybe you found something worth living for, something worth dying for. Maybe 